This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of NRL Boom Rookies. I'm Matt Bungard, alongside me, as always, Mitch Doyle. Hello everybody. Whew, two rounds in the books. Uh, South's got their first win of the year, so I'm pretty happy. Brisbane, uh, not got, so much. They got but, their um, second less than 20 of the year. <laughs> so congratulations. Big, big result for us, for the club. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, pretty interesting round overall. I thought a, a, a marked improvement on round two in terms of sort of contest being up in the air, but obviously still a few blowouts, um, which we'll talk about. Um yeah, so I guess we may as well start with um, Thursday night and probably the biggest upset of of this short season already, Parramatta, sticking it to the Melbourne Storm. Yeah, I kind of feel like the rain made the footy better, which it usually doesn't, but it kind of slowed the game down a little. I know the ball and play was similar, I don't give a shit, the, but the actual speed of the game slowed down a little, I thought. And this game, uh, rain favouring Parramatta at the end of the night, Storm struggling with Brandon Smith's service, and I do enjoy the privilege of Storm fans being furious at that a hooker had an off night. Oh, sorry, for the first time in your life, you had a hooker who didn't have a great evening. Oh, poor you. It's been 400,000 yeah, games. They were calling for Brandon Smith's head. Yeah. It's like, give you me went a break. from Richard Swain, who wasn't bad, to Cam Smith, to you going to Harry Grant, and oh, Brandon Smith had a bad 60 minutes. Throw the toys out of the cot. <laughs> but... Yeah, this certainly was a... I know it's early in the season to call it a statement game, but I did, I did already uh, put Parramatta out of my eight, and it still might happen, but certainly felt like a statement game from Parramatta. And you see guys like Reid Marnie playing at a level I didn't think he'd had he'd had in him. He played really well in this game, again, I thought. And yeah, Mike Acevo dancing on George Jennings. Craig Bellamy, even Craig Bellamy can't Craig Bellamy, George Jennings. Just He's in there again this week, but yeah, I don't think there's much much left in that tank, mate. No, and great news for Parramatta that they actually re-signed Sevo this week. So, um, fantastic, given that we all thought... Assu- we all just assumed he was going to go to French rugby at some point. Um, but yeah, uh, fantastic from Marnie. I thought Junior Paulo was great as well. The halves played really well. And it's it's just... I think if you're a Parramatta fan, the most heartening thing is to see Mitch Moses playing well against a full-strength quality opponent in this game. Um, yeah. And you're right, the rain probably did play a factor, but their defense in this game was something that wasn't there in the back half of last year. The Souths put up a couple of scores on them in those big games towards the back end of the year, and it was there in this game. I thought they were, I thought they were great. I mean, really, the only only issue was that boneheaded play from Tom Opacek right at the end when he uh, gave away the penalty off the short kickoff. But you know, a, a near flawless performance from Parramatta, and they definitely deserved yeah, it. I thought Justin Olm had a pretty fu- a pretty fun game until that point, that when he uh, kicked that ball away. Why did he kick that ball? <laughs> I don't know, mate. Too confident. Everything's worked out too well for him for the last two years or whatever playing for the Storm. Just insane. <laughs> he kicked it. I don't know why he kicked it. And you could say that the moment he kicked it, he's like, "Oh shit!" Like, <laughs> give give it back. Round two, baby. Yeah, not great. Um, you know, else isn't great, Mitch. The Brisbane Broncos, they're not great. Um, you said, uh, you, you, I, said I, I know you things. were pretty confident going into this game, but um, they were clearly second best here. The Titans really putting a stamp on that best team in Queensland uh, category. I don't think the Titans were particularly good. And this people think this is sour grapes. But I thought the Broncos were just god-awful in that first half, and that was pretty much all that was required. Like The Broncos just couldn't get through a set for 15, 20 minutes there. Still have that same problem they had in prior years at, like, they just seem to think if they get a half break, they have to score off it, or they won't. They won't die. You know, if they've got an arm for to offload, 
they'll just throw the offload like Jermaine Sarko did. Uh, there was a break that Milford made, sorry, break that Croft supported and gave the ball to Milford, just threw it for no reason. They throw the ball away a lot. Milford did it as well. He had an awful game. But I just thought, like, with Pango on the field, right, the first 20 and the end of the game, they were more, more, more than in that contest. Uh, but, yeah, they were disgusting and lost that game in about a 10, 15-minute period. And, of course, Dave Fafita was going to fire up and score a try at least. Scored two. But, yeah, he played quite well. And it's just at that point, though, for my my guy Milford, that the bells toll. Anytime he has a bad game, the fans have had enough that, like, it's not the any more of, like, oh, one or two bad games, we'll see the future. Anytime he has a bad game, people are just done with him, man. And he had a bad game in this yeah. game. So did Brody Croft. So did Pat Garrigan. So did Herbie Farmworth. So did Heatswim. Heatswim sucked. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> just one of those weeks, mate, that nothing, like, they kept dropping the damn ball. Uh, I don't know the way forward for Milford. I haven't got the answers. If I did, I don't know. I would, well, I would still be on this podcast, but I haven't got them. Well, Corey Oates and Tom Dearden were both great for South Logan, though, so that's something. Good. Uh, surely they've been named this I week. I mean, Corey Oates, <laughs> we talk about dumb boys. We talk about nicknames, nickname being brains. Couldn't be more apt that Oates spent four years or so talking about he wanted to play in the back row. All talk about that. Every off-season wanted to go there. And Kevy finally granted his wish this prior off-season, and, and Corey Oates moves to the back row, trains at all pre-season, and just thinks he'll walk into the team week one. And what a shock, mate. Not as good as you thought you were, and not as easy to walk in over Ricky and Alex Glenn. And already threw the toys out of the cot and played on the wing and reserve grade. Didn't even play one reserve grade game in the back row. And David Bates played quite well, so he'll compete for it. And you think about Deard in there. Uh, yeah, look. I don't know. I don't know how to explain that. Croft was awful again, and Croft is the same player he always was. He has that inability to go to the line, if you get me in that. He'll run the ball. He will run the ball, but he doesn't create indecision in the defensive line because he's either running the ball or passing well before the line. He's made a decision five metres before the line, and if you watch this game, same issues as last year, when Pat Carrigan has his second drop ball, I brain Brody Croft because he just throws it at him three metres from the defensive line for whatever reason. So many of their attacking shapes break down because Brody just throws the ball before engaging a line and you're generally behind the second guy. But I've heard I heard that, that him and Milford got a spray in the match review and a lot of it was to do with like both of them just refusing to take control of that game. And if Milford, Milford, we all know, probably can't do that at this point. Brody's supposed to be that guy and again, he wasn't, not even that guy. I don't know what we're doing there. Tom Didn had a great game for the Magpies in torrential rain. I watched that game. The wettest game I've ever yeah, seen. Might be the might have been the best player all weekend in the Queensland Cup. Yeah, I don't know if he's getting recalled or not. I know he wasn't named in the 17 and you were mentioning that, but I, I do think he'll be in the 17 somewhere. I think it's silly. He's probably going to be off the bench, but yeah, it feels like a matter of time. If nothing, they lose this weekend, yes. one of those guys will get dropped. And I think they'd drop Milford if they could, mate, just to send a message. I think they would. They just haven't got anyone, anyone else to bring in. But I'm not um I'm not the roof is falling in like a lot of Broncos fans are right now because mate the roof fell in. The roof is on the ground. It's been it fell in a year and a half ago to me. Like any good sign I'll cling on to it. They still didn't pack it pack it up and go home. They fought back. They have Payne Haas and Matt Lodge back next week most likely. There's players coming and I know that Pat Carrigan probably gets benched, thank God. But I also know they're quite big on Kobe Hetherington as a as a lock forward. So he'll probably end up playing in the forwards by like round ten or eleven. Brendan Piakura might play this year. Hopefully they keep on him. Like there's things coming. Like I'm not 
throwing toys out of the car. And people like watching us lose, but yeah, I was obviously filthy on the evening because I was full of piss and <laughs> watching the Broncos. And you, you said uh, I don't remember the second half. There so, you go. Um, but uh, no, it, it, it will be all right. We'll live. Yeah. Um, we didn't mention the Knights Warriors game, but Brad and the Best was fantastic. Uh, already getting Origin hype in round two, which is a. Oh, you should have played Origin in the last year, mate. Actually, yeah, but it's, it's just funny that people are talking about it in round two. It's it's immensely frustrating. Um, yeah, Penrith Bulldogs. I have nothing to say. Uh, the Bulldogs are lucky um, it rained. Yeah, they actually are. Um, and but obviously, I guess really the only takeaway from this is that Nathan Cleary might now miss the grand final rematch on Thursday night. Mm, go missing in a big game. That's that's new. Well, he can't go missing if he's concussed, <laughs> he completely um, missing. Uh, I want to mention on this game uh, the. The Bulldogs did make all those nice back signings, and you know Nick Cottridge does look like he's ripping in in these games. I thought Hopper Wiley had another decent game as well, but mate, like that forward pack in that middle, they need Luke Thompson back ASAP. But it's you look at how Dylan Napa played, and it's a real wonder why they didn't accept that offer Penrith gave them, which was send them Napa to get Matt Burden now. Yeah, I didn't because he only it. played twenty four minutes too. It's not like they're relying on him already. Round two, he only played twenty four minutes, and he was poor. One more obviously walked right through him for that last try. But this this dog side, it doesn't matter. We all know this, this whole story. It doesn't matter how many good backs you sign when the forward pack doesn't go forward. Like they, that's just it. They're just awful. Like that pack is yeah, awful. Terrible. And Brisbane had them this week. And again, Brisbane obviously aren't very good. They're still missing Haas and Lodge. But I still think that Brisbane pack will probably roll through the Bulldogs one. It's just that poor. Tough to argue with you. I think Manly also lucky it rained. I think South's... Great to bounce back with a win after that uh, performance in round one. Not as comprehensive as they would have liked, I don't think, but um, Latrell Mitchell was fantastic again. Yeah, he's really um, making fullback his own. I know it's only been two weeks, but he was in everything in this game, and he's been all over the, the park a lot more this season at that role. Despite being real chunky, he seems fitter than he's been in the past, hey? Bizarre. Big chunky lad. Uh, the sin bin, I think, was unfortunately the right call. I know DC had dived, but he did push him, so whatever, it's fine. How about losing Andrew? Didn't, didn't really make this, much difference. For, I don't know how long for. That's what I wanted to talk about next. It's just so sad. Like I know it's it's sad when any player gets injured, but you've got a guy, twenty eight years old, who's basically, you know, grinded and grafted his whole career to get a chance. You know, and he, you know, he's in it. He played a little bit last year, but finally gets a chance, and and probably an extended chance to hold down one of those back row spots with Sirenin being out for at least six weeks. Um, and then just gets his foot caught in the turf and tears his ACL after a few minutes. It's just, it's just really sad. Yeah, and he had um, not only was he looking to, you know, to hold the subtle little spot for six weeks. There was opportunity that he'd be starting taking Gusevsky's role permanently from there. Really, he was named ahead of Gusevsky for this game, and now the manly look at Josh Schuster in the back row. Ugh, <laughs> this week they're in huge they trouble. Are, they are. I mean, Tommy can't come back soon enough, but he's not fixing this. They might. I mean, he might win them a couple of games against some bad teams, but they are, they are dreadful. They are really, really bad. And Dylan Walker at fullback. I know we don't do drop it like it's Hunt anymore, but bring it back. That's one of the worst individual performances I think I've ever he's seen. He's named there again this week, but I just can't believe he's playing there again. He can't be. No. Uh, yeah, uh, he was absolutely diabolical. It was Paul Carriage levels of bad. I think. I think he's still a fine centre in the NRL. I think he's a serviceable centre, but this obsession Des has with playing him at last year 5'8", and now this year fullback is just mind-numbing to me. It doesn't make sense. Just put anyone else there because he can't do it. He can't do it. He's had his two cracks. Surely that's it. 
I thought for Manly, he gets the only bright sparks. You know, Mighty Power had his best game in a little while, and uh, Paseko was really good off the bench, and he's starting this week. But yes, yeah, South Benji already looking at a Stute signing. What a shock! <laughs> like just exactly what you signed him for in two two weeks in a row now, pretty much. Little flick pass to Mark Nichols. That was sick. Um, yeah, uh, overall, I was pretty happy with the game, considering that the second half they didn't have Adam Reynolds, and it was an absolute monsoon the whole game, really, which obviously hampers any sort of attacking raids. I think they probably win very, very comfortably if it's not raining and if Adam Reynolds stays on there for 80 minutes, but it doesn't matter. Win's a win, and they have a huge game this week, and Adam Reynolds has cleared concussion protocols, so he will be playing. Jackson Paulo won't be, though. Um, Josh Mansour back in the team, but Paulo in round two was probably worse than Mansour in round one before he went off. Yeah, so what do you think about this whole the whole Adam Reynolds contract situation, mate? Like, he, It's frustrating. He, they, like... I don't care what your thoughts are personally on Reynolds. I'm tired of arguing with idiots about Adam Reynolds who don't think he's that good or whatever. My challenge to them, which usually ends the argument immediately, is name three better halfbacks. He's, and they can't he's do it. He's certainly gone Because up. there aren't. There he's aren't. gone up the so, rankings all right, by default the last couple of years. That doesn't mean he's yeah, not a good halfback, but it's as good ones have been removed from the league above him. And, and a couple of others have yeah, regressed. No one's really ascended past him. You name one that's not Kiri, DCE, or, or Moses or Cleary, that's better than him. Like, I, I think even in the worst case scenario, he's, what, the fifth best halfback in the I would league? T- I know it would be the that's, I would take I Ben Hunter have in my club there. over Reynolds. And, I will and, fight you with yeah. my bare hands. But, I mean, and that's that's counting Cleary as a halfback, which I think is kind of cheating anyway. But that's aside from the point. Um, however you slice it, he's one of the best halfbacks mm. in the league. He's a club captain. He's been there, been there his whole life. And the issues about his durability are greatly exaggerated. He plays 20-plus games every single year. And... Every time any other player or the coach is asked about this, they come out and publicly support him in the most definitive way possible. So just feel like giving him two or three more years is the right answer just to, if, if for nothing else, just for squad harmony. And, and obviously there is plenty more beyond that. Anyway. Yeah, that's the thing I find weird about this. I see people talking about it like it's the last contract for Adam Reynolds in the next two or three years. It's like, no, he's only 30 and people are playing past 32, 33 comfortably. And he hasn't, the other part is, well, people are kind of acting like he's, oh, he's just hit a wall now or something, or he's about to go off a cliff. It's like, there's no sign that he is just going to drop off a cliff. I find it weird. I do understand not wanting to pay him a million dollars. I think that's a ridiculous concept because he still has got the, the you know, he's still got the major flaw in his game that he's on a good run of the ball that I will never get past. But still one of the best halves in the game. And, it, and it, I find it bizarre that there's not a lot of heat on you guys to keep him either. There's not like some one or two other clubs just like, yeah, well, if you don't want him, we'll take him. I don't, I don't know why that that doesn't exist at the moment, but it doesn't seem to be like there's a competitive market for him yet. I think he'll end up staying. I think so, they'll so do I. And I just think, um, I think he'd be one of those guys that in seven or eight weeks, clubs will start getting hot for him. You know, once yeah. they've got their, you know, they've got their roster kind of sorted for next year, they're not looking for their next best thing anymore. I think that's when he, his market would heat up. I think that's fair. Um, and then, to finish off Super Saturday, we had um, the return of the Saturday Night Kings, the Cowboys. We may as well have had Andy Raymond commentating and Ty Williams playing on the wing. <laughs> We're back. Uh, yeah, they should have delayed it by two hours because it did feel like one of those old Cowboys games, mate. When I used to watch them all. Many people would watch them and be surprised or entertaining. And this game was a surprise or entertaining because these two teams haven't been entertaining for the last year or so. But this was... Um, Probably the game of the weekend in terms of enjoyment factor. It, it was right up there. Like ben Hunt's best game maybe in a year. Uh, 
the the Cowboys did some weird shit. They've still got they had so much possession. They're they're a confusing team that are already looking like like Todd Payton has apparently kind of split the dressing room <laughs> very early two weeks in. Tavolo's not there. Bizarre team and the Dragons for all their flaws that you got to see the in this game a bit of the the shining from some of the better players like your, your Zach Lomax the match winning try. Ben Hunt's performance in general. McCulloch was okay. Yeah, it was a, it was a pretty fun game. Yeah, uh, I was. I mean, we're big Ben Hunt defenders and apologists on this show, and we were very. I think we we're both really happy to see him play so well. Um, they've signed Frank Molo too uh, from the from the Cowboys. Good signing. I mean, yeah, uh, that that's definitely uh, he'd walk into the forward pack tomorrow, no question. Mm. Um, yeah, it was great from them. I I, I think you've. Suddenly, a lot more optimistic, especially this week. They're playing manly. They all of a sudden the dragons could be two and one. Yeah, I put the I put the God. I fell for the thing. I mock everyone else are falling for all the time that the Cowboys are just turning around. God, I know I backed Todd Payton in. I did see an interesting tweet from one of our listeners. I think Renegade Dugongs or similarly. He said, um, it's along the lines of like maybe this Warriors side was just good and, and Stephen Kearney sucked. <laughs> like maybe that's what was wrong, and you know maybe Peyton wasn't that good last year because they're still playing quite well now. This Warriors team, but you look at that through that that squad, and you just think like, is there really a benefit? I like Jake Clifford, but is there really a benefit to them playing Jake Clifford anymore? Like he just doesn't look. He didn't look very good in this game. Looked disinterested. Looked like he couldn't give a shit how the result went. If it felt like to me towards the end of that game, it's like maybe just drink water goes back to the six. You have Morgan Ware seven. Holmes goes to fullback. The hammer goes to the wing because he doesn't look great at center either. No, I don't know. I, I know Maguire had a bit of a bounce back game in this one, but it wasn't against good opposition. But there's just so many problems with this like roster. Once you see it play out again, they're one of those teams on paper. It does look okay, but like, does anyone is anyone of that roster performing to their potential? No, maybe um, Ruben Cotter. How exciting! Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jordan McLean's been an immense disappointment since he went up there. The forward pack's just not very good. Obviously, once Tamalola was out, I think everyone gave the Dragons a red-hot shot of winning this game. Mm. I find it interesting that Tamalola's already had to come out and defend Todd Payton like, publicly in a in a halftime media thing this week. Like, It's absurd that it's been two weeks and there seems to already be somewhat of a blowtorch applied to him over a coaching decision, which I know it's a big deal, but it, it shouldn't be... Demanding what is now probably what week four of this media cycle of scrutiny. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent, mate. And you look across that roster. You look at like Mitch Dunn and Cohen Hess have like one hundred and eighty-four meters across two weeks. So when when is someone going to stop this Hess shit? Like when are we giving up on him? Scored a try. He did score a try. He caught, he caught a kick. Scored a try. Nice Jake Clifford bomb. But it's like, I don't know that guy. Just every coaching they can get it out of him it feels like it feels like even Wayne Bennett gave him a shot at origin last year for Christ's sake like can we just move on from this guy and then Mitch Dunn was, was kind of average as well but no one in that pack's playing any, very good and yeah and I said it like a year or two ago even though I'm a big Michael Morgan fan and believer that's they should have tried to offload him ages ago no they, they won't because they're the Cowboys and they're too loyal to those type of players but that's like that feels like a, a, a contract that, that's going to hang over them for a couple of years yeah, unfortunately. Um, not as unfortunate as us adopting the West Tigers as the official team of the podcast, though. It's not great. Mate. Not been a great week for for, for that, nor for your uh, Leilua Well, I've been, I've been through this before. It doesn't change anything Joey's done in the past that I enjoyed. But he should be beyond embarrassed by the performance he put in in that game. 
it is one of the worst performances I've ever seen in first grade in terms of care factor. Because he did not give a single goddamn shit. And anyone, he can argue this with people. I don't care what he says. He didn't give a shit when the Roosters got, got ran at him at all. When they ran past him, he didn't bother chasing anybody. He stood still often. He was. He, they would have been better off with 12 on the field because Joey wouldn't have at least, like, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't, you know, they thought he had his man. If he wasn't on the field, they would have covered for him. But many occasions in this game, they would have been better off not having him there because at least someone else might have scrambled and covered harder. He let them walk either either side of him. And the Roosters are too good. Against another team, maybe another team isn't smart enough. We've, we've all seen those games sometimes where a team's found a weakness and they, stop, they don't go back to it. They'll score every time they go right, but they go right twice. Not the Roosters. I, <laughs> I, I can't remember if it was Morris's first try or if it was Tupanua's try, but like he was so far out of the line and then just stood there and walked back and didn't give a shit. Yep. It was it was awful. It was atrocious. Yeah, Tupanua's... And that I mean that's only a highlight. Like there was three or four examples of him just getting caught out. And that entire left edge defensively was absolutely diabolical. I feel sorry for Luciano because he actually like he's getting lumped in, oh you can't put the brothers together. Like none of it was his fault. <laughs> like zero of it was like his fault. That like it was like there'd be some times you'd have Luciano and Brooks in the right spot. Then Joey'd come in, and Capoa is not very, not a very good defender either. He's pretty, he's pretty rough. He came out about a few bad decisions. He was coming in. Everything happened outside Luch, but he got lumped in because how bad his brother was. And even that occasion you mentioned when Tupanua stomped Brooks, Joey just watched him get stomped. He's like, yeah, <laughs> "Go on, over you go." <laughs> like just embarrassing. And yeah, he's dropped him from first grade this week deservedly. But it's really hard to put, like, to get your head around a guy's twenty nine years old off contract in October, playing for his NRL future, to play at that in round two. After all the talk all off-season, after the guy we know he can be, embarrassing, and I wouldn't pick him. I don't know if I'd pick him unless the injury crisis again at the Tigers. Like, that was that was beyond embarrassing. It was really bad. And I, I've believed in Luke Brooks for a long time, but if there was ever a more emblematic sort of example of Luke Brooks' career, it was making that um, early on when the game was still relatively in the balance. He makes that great line break. And then fifth tackle, they've got they're putting the pressure on, and he boots the grubber dead by five meters. And then I think there was two or three more occasions where he just kicked it dead. When I honestly think your or I could have dabbed in a better grubber kick than that. I don't understand. I think he kicked it dead four times, it all up. But He's, mate. Oh. yeah, I think they'd get, they'll give one him probably off this year too if he keeps playing like that. Like it's hard to hammer the halfback when the team's getting pumped like they were, but he was also shit. It's not one of those defaulting to hammering Luke Brooks things. It's like those no. kicks were poor. He'd know they're poor. But it's just been so long. He's had such a long opportunity to own this football team. They've moved over other guys. They've moved on Farrah. <laughs> Farrah came back. They moved on Benji. Then Benji came back. They gave him so many opportunities to own this team, and he hasn't taken any of them. And again, they gave him the opportunity this offseason with the other young halves. Hook, you know, Little's not young, but inexperienced hooker. Young guy at the back who probably feels just like Tedesco felt five years ago. What do I do? What happens? I just throw me the ball. I run, I run around. I do cool things, but nothing happens. That's what he probably feels like back there. Like Luke Brooks will be on the chopping block as well, which is disappointing because there's actually some other strong performers in this roster, and it feels it let down so much by two or three players right now. Well, Dane Laurie was the third best player on the field, oh, mate. That so was we got something to be happy we'll get, I thought we'll get to that. We may as well yeah. t- touch it now. We will. We'll get there? Yeah, we'll talk about it now. I mean, so there's always been this habit in the NRL when it comes to Dally M judging where, like, the judge will just give the best player on the team that lost a point. Like, that happens. it happens really frequently, mm. and, it, and it is usually wrong. 
And in a case where one team wins by 30, 34 points, uh, it's definitely wrong. And in a game where a guy got four try assists and got zero Dalian points, it's catastrophically wrong. Yeah, and they weren't just those, you know, last pass try assists, like basic ones. Kiri was on fire in this game. He has zero Dalian votes and... He has six try assists and four line break assists or something, and he's got no Dalian yeah, points through two games. that's it. And um, you, you look, Brett Morris spoke out about it, which is very rare actually the players speak about it, but he's 100% right that he didn't think he deserved the votes. Like he's like, if Kiri doesn't do his job, Tedesco to do their job. I don't get the ball. I don't score tries. Call Tedesco the best player in the competition, all that. And it's true, mate. Like Kiri and Tedesco almost falling a victim of expectation, but another flaw in this system of that... Dumb bullshit. Like, as you defaulting, wingers score two plus tries, they get a point generally, and defaulting to someone on a losing team. And, you know, sometimes it's fair, but not when they lose by 40. Then you look at other games, for example. You know, I thought Pangai was the best forward on the field outside for feed up for the, in the Broncos Titans game. And that's just my opinion. Who got the points for that? Well, he did not. But it was um, it was three to for feeder, two to Tino, and one to Ash Taylor. So Ash Taylor. I got didn't a think point. Tino played that well no. in this game. Ash Taylor got a point for throwing the ball to Devita twice. Mm. But Kiri can set a Brazilian tries up, and no one cares. And it's just nice to see that we used to bang on about this, and no one gave a shit. Yeah, but it's people starting to give a everyone shit. Everyone starting to give a shit, and it it's just, and I I, I see a lot of suggestions on how we fix it. Anyone who just wants to approach this as a per-game method needs to just shut up and stop talking because that is the entire problem. We, we, we place an equal amount of importance on every game every week, and that's just not how the NRL works. When it's round 25 and the 13th mm-hmm. place Bulldogs are playing the 14th placed Dragons, and it means fuck all, that game should not have as much bearing on who wins the Dally M as Seahawks and the Roosters playing off for the minor premiership. It just shouldn't. Yeah. Yet, under the current system, it does. Jared Hayne, Paramount used to win eight games a year, and he'd get three Dalian points every time. And so he'd either go close to or win the Dalian. In 2018, I think it was 18 or 7. No, it must have been 18. Mitchell Pearce and Kalen Ponga combined for 50 Dalian points in a Newcastle team that won, I think, nine games. And if Pearce hadn't got injured, he would have won the Dalian. And he played good for like And Luke Brooks has nearly weeks. won it several times. Yes. It's so flawed. It's so bad. It's so stupid. I. I Stop this. We don't need to rate every player out of 10 every game. That's also stupid. Just do what the American sports do. Just get a conglomeration of people in the media, former players, and match officials together, like a pool of like 50 or 60 people, and get them to rank their 10 best players at the end of the year. And I know people go, oh, but that'll play into end-of-season narratives. I'm like, yeah, maybe it will, a little bit, but we will probably end up with the right answer, and we certainly won't end up with Jack White and winning the Dally M again. Well, yeah, this is what we said, and we've talked about this in the past, but this is how the award works, right? It's You could either have to be a superstar in a regional team. It doesn't really matter that much in a Sydney team that often, but a, a different-ish team. So, you know, being a really good player on the Roosters, I know Tedesco won it two years ago, but for a long time, I mean, how is he the first Rooster to win the Dally M? Brad Fittler never won a Dally yeah. M. What does it that's tell it. you? That's it. Like, Lockie never won one, but that's it. You have to be, you know... A, or, so you have to be, sorry, a superstar like a Thurston in North Queensland or a Smith Cronk Slater in Melbourne or a Hayne at Parramatta. You know, these clubs that you know, people really focus in on the one or two player. RTS at the Orioles. Jack, Jack Whiten at the Raiders. You have to yep. be that or you have to be the vote getter on a shit team. Like again, Jared Hayne was that vote getter on the shit, on the shit team. Pierce, Ponga. Mate, when Todd Car- sorry, we, we missed one. Todd Carney did win the fight at the Dallium for the Roosters. But again, that was when it wasn't a great Roosters team. I know they, they made the, the the grand final that year, but 2010 Roosters, that was their last Dallium before this. Uh, Matt Orford, the Sea Eagles, like, 
they do often get the best player of the year right, but it's just the process which is wrong every, almost every year because you look at the leaderboard, the top five, and sometimes you're like, what the hell are the other three of this five? Yeah, there was... I, I, I can't remember. I think it was 2018 that I went back and looked at and there was three players in the top 10 finished in the top eight. Like their teams finished in the top mm. eight. So seven out of 10 were guys whose teams didn't make the finals. Yet. And I'm sorry. I know that I know that every year there's good players on teams that don't make the finals, but I'm not going to sit here and accept that 70% of our top 10 best players would be on teams that didn't make the finals. Yeah, I've got it. Sorry, I just found it. So in 2018, RTS won it. They finished eighth. Ponga finished second with 27. They didn't make the finals. Luke Brooks third, 26. They didn't make the finals. Valentine Holmes, 25th, uh, 25. They, I think they they finished in the top four or roughly around there. Mitch Pierce, 23. They didn't make the finals. Jason Tamalolo, 19. They didn't make the finals. Then Munster, 19. Yeah, Storm, good. Ash Taylor, 18. They didn't make the finals. Last. Damian, <laughs> Damian Cook, who was the best player in the comp, 18 points in ninth. And then Isaac Luke equal with him. I'm sorry, I love Isaac Luke. Always will. But if you're telling me in 2018, Isaac Luke had as good a season as Damian Cook did, you're on crack. Yeah. So. We've been over this so many times and we can go over it again. But the main good message is everyone else is onto it now. But the worst thing, as you said, the people, the things we're seeing now, so people are seriously suggesting with a straight face, super coach points. Genius. <laughs> yeah, look, so many people, I saw that, like so many people submitted that to rookie takes. I just had to ignore yeah. it. Yeah. But, but it is so insane. Corey Parker would have six DLMs. What a great yeah, system. Bryce Cartwright that one year, Nothing. Fleety Mateo another, because <laughs> they threw lots of offloads. But uh, as you said, the the it probably wouldn't... Wait, actually, Nathan Merritt would have like nine winger of the year awards, yeah. so I'm back they would, they would not go away. I don't think they'll go away from the game-by-game game voting because it's so ingrained in that culture. But it, for me, MVP voting is the obvious answer. And if it's game-by-game, game, well, firstly, top, out of 10s was the other idea, which is terrible. It's slightly better than the current it is, system. But it's I think. still terrible because me or you, let's be honest, the top tens, sorry, out of tens when they come out for every game, there's always five or six glaringly wrong because nobody can affect hard. Can do I, that look, for I've, seventy players at full time. I've so I've done a million of these. Nick Canton who's been on here, Phil Lutton who's been on here, like we've done these player ratings after Origins and after Grand Finals, and they're hard. And sometimes you get sometimes you see and it's uh, sometimes you see a player do something good and it sticks in your brain and you give them like a good rating and then you watch the game again later and you're like, oh, I guess he wasn't that good. Like one year I gave Nate Miles like a seven out of 10 and then I watched it again. And I was like, you know, he was probably more like a four or a five. Yeah. And, you know, that's because I'm expected to have 34 players rated out of 10 on full time after just trying to watch a game and watch all 34 of them at once. And it's it's a it's foolish to expect anyone to be able to do that and, and get it right. Yeah. And then it, one of those things that essentially means that if you got seven or eight out every week, if you were like Pat Carrigan at the Broncos last year and you got those seven or eights because people thought you played well for some reason, you would end up near the top of that ladder end of the year and guys like Tedesco or someone because they missed a game or two, their team was too... Like, if their team was so good they rested him, he loses 10 points or whatever. That's yeah. it. It's over. Actually, that is why it's worse that's than the 3 two ones for that reason. That's why it's worse. But, and the 3 yeah. two ones, if they're going to keep these systems, all it has to be is a larger pool. You have to this like this that one that voting by Sam Thayer on that game was just lazy. Giving a point to Dane Laurie and and two to Brett Mo- and points to Brett Miles for two tries. It's just lazy. There's no argument about that. And at least if we put ten po- people on one game. Yeah, and the the but I don't even know, mate, if that would prevent no. the sort of narrative driven no approach way. in the last couple of. No so for I'll give you an example, right? Like, let's say all five judges are ex players, 
and let's just say for argument's sake that most of them are Queenslanders in this scenario. So let's, it gets to like round 24, round 25 in 2016 or whatever, right? They know JT's up there. So JT, like Cowboys might play mm-hmm. and JT might be the fourth or fifth best player on the field. And let's say, I don't know, who's, who's like an average Cowboys player from that era? Let's say Gavin, oh, no, that's, that's disrespectful to Gavin Cooper. Let's say Kyle Felt's probably the best player on the field. And Jake Granville's probably the second best player. And then maybe someone from the other team was the third best player. But JT was pretty good, right? They'll all give JT three points because they'll know it's round 24 and Kyle Felt's not going to win the Dally M and Jake Granville's not going to win the Dally M and X player from the other team isn't going to win the Dally M. But JT might win the Dally M. So I'm going to give him three points. And that happens all the time. 2014, good, we should move on from this, but 2014, great example. That South Eels game. When Hayne got points... It's, the, it's my go-to example. I looked it up again the other day because I was arguing about this with someone in, in a Twitter DM. But there's a game. Souths win by 28 points. Score six tries to two, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam Burgess scores a double. Has two line breaks. Five offloads. Tops the tackle count for Souths. And the meter count with 200 meters as a forward. Jared Hayne, 205 running meters. No tries. No try assists. No line breaks. They lost by 20-something. Jared Hayne got two Dally M points. Sam Burgess didn't get any. Yep. Fantastic. And then Hayne ended up equal, equal winning the Dally M because of course he did. Yep. And I know we've harped on about that specific example a bunch of times, but that's just the one that's most relevant to my own personal experiences. And I'm sure other people have other people great here examples. Who are copying it. <laughs> oh, for sure. But like, it's just mind-blowing that this keeps happening. But I'm glad that it seems to finally be that the wheel is turning somewhat. Mm. Anyway, I hate Chad Townsend. <laughs> Um, I'll tell you why. And I'll tell you why. Great I'll tell you why. <sighs> I've always defended Chad Townsend. Oh, you know I've always been a big Townsend, Chad Townsend guy. Townsend you know that. guy you call him now. Yes. Townsend. As I, as I, Chownsy, as I like to call him. Um, anyway, so uh, I went to my first live rugby league game since 2019 on the weekend. So obviously me and my grandfather haven't gone to a Souths game together because of COVID all of last year or this year, playing it safe in that regard. But I finished work at... 5.30 on, on Sunday Arvo this week. So, um, and Campo and a couple others were going to uh, Cogra for the Sharks Raiders game. And, and Cogra's pretty close to my house. So I was like, yeah, I'll come down, have a, have a couple of beers, have a good time. Why not? Footy. Great. So we get there and then we're just having, we're drinking a beer on the hill before the game and it's pouring rain still on us. And I, and I sort of like half joking instead of Campo, I say, Campo, if the Raiders win in Golden Point, you have to slide down the hill like a penguin. And he says, Okay, I'll do it. So for that whole game, me and Jack Brady are just rooting for Golden Point. That's the only thing we care about in the world. Mm. And Chad Townsend's let us down here with three missed kicks that would have tied the game. Yeah, uh, I mean, was anything more guaranteed than him missing that last one? <laughs> I, I can't forgive him. I can't forgive him uh, for this. We were robbed. We were robbed of Nick Canton going full Pingu on the hill at Cogra. Mate, and I, I, Ridiculous. I, I'm okay with you not forgiving him, so... You know, I, I'm uh, I'm totally with you there, mate. Like one thing, mate, one job. One of them wasn't even that difficult, but missed three kicks, yeah. and then that game. I mean, that game. If you're a Raiders fan, I saw it as well. The bit of a meltdown in that game. Like how how they were even let the uh, the sharks. They couldn't in. complete a like, set in the last twenty minutes. The sharks were particularly good, but they hung around, and yeah, they probably should have won because of the two missed conversions and the missed penalty goal. But and then the, oh my god, I did love. Matt Moylan thinking you could kick a 65-meter field goal in that condition. It was the funniest thing I think I've ever seen live at a game, including Greg Inglis actually attempting a field goal like that nearly went in. That was so funny. 
how many times would he have to attempt that to ever kick it? Does he ever? In the dry? I don't think he ever kicks it. To no, the wet. no, none, none percent. <laughs> I, think- I don't think he ever kicks that in a million years. It's weird that they didn't set for it before that. Like they had like two or three sets where I thought actually maybe they'll go for the two point field goal here, and then they just didn't do it. But then he tries to do it there. I don't know. Sixty five in the wet on the run. Yeah. Good luck uh, to you. I respect the I respect the um, confidence to even attempt it though. Yeah, and the Raiders. Are, I mean. I'm starting to see some people turning on George Williams, and he wasn't particularly great in this game. Hodgson was doing his old shit when he looks like peak Andrew McCulloch, where he just gives the ball to forwards and that's it. They just couldn't get out of their own way. It felt like, and they, they, you know, they, they were motoring down the field early in that first half. They looked like they were going to they were going to put a score on it. It just never came. And I feel sorry for Sebastian Chris, by the way. I thought he had two fanta- fantastic games. He's been great. He, first two games. Comes back. Is he going to no, stay in the team? Croker that's the real came question. back, and that's it. Oh, he's already named. Yeah, there you go. Well. So um, I thought maybe you could keep the spot over Curtis Scott, but yeah, yeah. For it's him. also mind-boggling to me that John Morris is always under pressure when these teams that he coaches are just punching so far above their weight. Yeah, this team's doing fine again, and it's bizarre. Like they're not like they haven't gone back to Andrew Fafita, but they still hung in in this game somehow. And like I wasn't particularly impressed by the performance, but they were still in the goddamn game the whole way. Yeah, I thought they were fine. Um, uh, do you know what time it is? No. Rookie takes time. Oh God. Uh, all right. So it was it was a tough field this week, Mitchell. Um, I, we got a ton of submissions, and if you want to submit your own rookie takes, uh, go to patreon.com forward slash NRL Boom Rookies, and I'll go from there. Um, quick shout out to last week's winner <laughs> in an absolute landslide, the Western Weekender. Uh, why is the NRL celebrating Mardi Gras when they didn't put a post up for Australia Day? So that will go into our end of year uh, final bracket to vote on. Congratulations, Western Weekender. Respect to you. Uh, a couple of honourable mentions this week. We had a lot of good submissions. I had to cull it down from 20-something finalists to five finalists. Um, but two that just missed the bubble. First of all, we got one from at um, MitchD underscore 90, which says, uh, blew a 16-point lead and still the best team in Queensland. Seabold blip is gone. Yeah, I, I did now, enjoy that. I didn't include this because obviously it's it's cheap. It's a cheap pop to get you in the bracket and you would have just won because people would have voted for you. Okay and also, you were clearly it. half taking the piss when I you tweeted. I'm entirely taking the piss, but I'm happy to win the award. I don't know what to take. You can't. <laughs> like, no. uh, and the yeah. other one that I declared uh, that I wasn't making the cut was Willie Mason, purely because he said this exact thing before, um, where he said, can't commentators just commentate on the game and try to explain rugby league to the fans? at home instead of talking for the sake of it. That's what happens when you get people who've never played. And then he tagged his own podcast in the tweet. Um, shout out to friend of the show, Jack Cronin, who replied and ratioed the shit out of Willie Mason in the end, saying, Willie, I regularly see you complain about people who've never played NRL commenting on the game, but I also see you tweeting about American sports when you've never played those. Any chance you could think of how dumb this opinion is and keep it down. <laughs> Good from Jack. Uh, and, and Mason said this exact thing before and got dunked on before, so I don't know why he keeps saying it. And also, like, if you are, if you polled the average fan as to who the biggest gibberers were on any broadcast, I can guarantee you that I'm not going to name names, but the top few answers would all be ex-players anyway. So it's a, it's, it's a ridiculous take to me. It is. They're not broadcasters, mate. Yeah. All right. So the five finalists for this week. So we got uh, first up, we have the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs on multiple social media platforms. So they did this on Twitter and Facebook, maybe Instagram as well. Uh, what was your round two Hitachi cooking and heating Australia hot play of the week? A, Nick Kotrick's line break. B, first penalty of the year. C, Kyle Flanagan and Adam Elliott forced dropout. Guys, when you lose 28-0, just, just don't do it. 
just skip it for the week. But the the first penalty of the year, obviously winning because the Bulldogs fans are deranged, and it's like they go one week without a penalty, and their fan base is talking about it. One in week. a league where like no one gets penalties anymore. Yeah, so I know, like, and that's it. Great. And it was only again, it was uh, one week. It wasn't like it was three weeks. <laughs> to be fair, their first penalty came in like the seventy fifth minute of this yeah. game, so it's almost two whole games. Outrageous. It's probably the difference between them being two and zero and them being zero and two, if you ask me. Mm. Um, Johnny Warwicker on Twitter. Feel sorry for Jared Hayne a bit. This woman led him on with sex chat. What did she think he was coming around in a taxi for? Coffee and cake? And then he tagged a bunch of people. Again, that's if he clearly hasn't paid attention to the lawsuit because she didn't know he was coming in the taxi. She, okay, like that was part. That's when she when she realised she wasn't keen anymore when he was treating her like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's a terrible take to it. I don't know why I'm even bothering to analyse it, but. <laughs> it's awful. I, I I don't know if it's in the spirit. Of, like, it's not really rugby league related, is it? But it is dreadful. Um, Will Sinclair, uh, pretty happy with that from the oh. Tigers. To be honest, went toe to toe with one of the big guns and held our own in the middle. We found a fullback too. Another step forward today. A few issues brackets left side, but nothing that can't be fixed. Keep building, boys. Look, the fullback thing, fair enough. Yeah. The rest of it. Mm. It's just like when Wickham Wanderers lose like 8-0 in the FA Cup to Men United and like, well, we took it to him Good for the size. first 30 minutes. Had three shots on target. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I, I like people trying to be optimistic and, and I actually do follow Will, so I, I, I don't want to rip on him too hard, but yeah, I don't know how you can walk away from that and be happy. Hey, look, we did, you did submit it. <laughs> uh, I didn't. Someone That's else did. Saying, but so. uh, again, if you want to submit your own takes... Patreon.com forward slash no rookies. Now, uh, this one's on Instagram from an account called RL In My Opinion. So you know they've got opinions and you're going to hear about them. Uh, picture of Jason Tamalolo saying, Jason Tamalolo and the Cowboys need to part ways. First things first, this is not a dig at Jason Tamalolo, blah, 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 blah. While the Cowboys offered Tamalolo this deal, the driving force for doing so was undoubtedly the on-field success the club thought would come from the signing. And that simply has not happened. The Cowboys now find themselves in a situation where they are looking at another long season and can't make significant improvements to the squad as they are paying Jason Tamalolo a million dollars per season and not utilizing properly, are paying Valentine Holmes a million dollars per season to play on the wing, and are paying Michael Morgan a million dollars per season in a deal that has not turned out how the Cowboys had hoped. If North Queensland and JT part ways, and the Cowboys will free up some cap space to try and rebuild their squad, and Tamalolo can move to a club where he has some help and can once again be the NRL's wrecking ball. What? So he... <laughs> If, so, sorry, that, if you have three shitty million-dollar contracts on your cap, your solution is to get rid of the best player of those three? Get rid of the one that everyone else in the league would pretty much take on. Get rid of that one. And pay him that much. If, like, if everyone will... If that's... What? Well, that's not good. That, 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 I'm voting for that one. <laughs> I think just because the Hayne one is cheating, I think that is my leader. Until we get to the fifth one, which as a Souths fan, I have to vote for this one. There's no choice. So, um, South, the South uh, Socials put up one of those posts the other day. It was like, on this day in 2004, mm. Russell Crowe and Peter Holmes are caught by the club. Obviously, anyone with even a tertiary knowledge of rugby league history knows this is like a very important moment in South's history. Without them, I don't know if we're even here right now. The club, I, I, I they were absolutely garbage when they got reinstated into the competition under the very amateurish leadership regime that was in charge at the time. With all that said... Uh, uh, BJ on Twitter, who has uh, South's avatar, replied saying, Blackest day in the history of South City District Rugby League Football Club. What? And then he has a whole bunch of tweets. I, I clicked on his account. He's got a whole bunch of tweets like, 
talking about how Russell Crowe and Peter Holmes got by in the club was a disaster and that I don't know. We won a premiership. Oh, we're good now. Mate, we're not, we're good we're not every grassroots year. anymore. We're the most profitable sports club in the country. Mm. We're, I, I don't understand. Yeah, okay. That's terrible. <laughs> it's really bad. Um, so yeah. So if you want to vote, you have to be a Patreon to do so, in which case you should go to patreon.com forward slash rookies. Um, that list of people just keeps growing and growing. Um, and yeah, you guys have been, been amazing with your support. Um, and a quick shout out in particular to those people in the top two tiers of our system. And they are Dave, Carlo Tyson, Stu, Wayne Ritchie, Adam White, Ando, Ben Wallace, Blake Moretti, Butsy, Cam Beswick, Chris Avnell, Chris Slade, CTO, Dan Cullinane, Doc Hogg, an anonymous backer, Frankie, Harvey G, Jace G, Jack Snape, Jake Harper, James K, Jason, Joel Wrigley, Josh Brandon, shout out Josh, had a beer with him tonight, lovely fella, Lachlan Hancock, Leon, Matty Jenkins, Matt Coleman, Matthew Duggan, Matty McPee, Michael Murray, Morgan Watkins, Never Trendy, Old Mama Bear, Razor, Reese Brown, Roxanne Clark, Simo, Stephen Hickey, Ty, the not-so-mature-age student, Thor Laycock, Tom Hardy, and Warwick O'Hearn. Thank you to you guys for your continued support and to everyone in the lower tiers of our Patreon as well. Um, if you want to get on, uh, the Discord's been popping. It's been great. It's been a lot of fun. Obviously, too late to join the Coltrane Cup now, but um, yeah, thanks everyone for getting on board. The The Patreon just keeps growing and growing and, and we're really humbled that you guys have uh, really backed us with your with your wallets this this year, Mitchell. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a good season for, for, uh, for the podcast, so hopefully more good stuff to come. And the Coltrane Cup. Uh, I'm two from two. Are you two from I two? I am two from two. Yeah, this... I'm uh, equal. F- I'm 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 first on four and against, so that's good. The 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 first round combo of Roosters into second round Penrith is a nice little plus seventy at the moment. So I think there's about twenty of us who've taken that that double. Um, this week though, it gets a little trickier. This is when you got to start looking at uh, taking a few risks and looking at a few teams that you want to try and get out of the way. And with that in mind. And knowing that Manly are mm. absolutely terrible, I am taking the Dragons. Dragons as well. Can't believe it's unfortunate. it. It's unfortunate. I don't really? want to pick the there same team as you. But uh, you look th- you look through the games. You're not going to get a better Dragons game for a while, I don't think. Take it while you can. Shout out to the, the couple of heroes that took them last week, by the way. Nailed they it. They did. But um, there's also the, the Titans are probably a good one up in North Queensland. They were the other one I was tossing up picking. Titans or, Titans or Dragons. But uh, I think... Queensland Derby, you never know. Maybe the Cowboys will fire up, but yeah, look, it was it was tough. I'm gonna it's gonna sting a little bit if the Dragons lose and the Titans win because they're the two us picking between. But yeah, locking in the Dragons for this week, and so are you. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that is it for another well, episode of Royal Boom Rookies. Signing news I want to talk Ooh. about. Cutting you off. Huh? <laughs> I thought we were saving that for the next show, but no, all right. Do it now. Next um, show's questions. Let's do it. Let's do it. Oh, okay. Fine, fine, fine. Uh, Jordan Ricky's re-signed. Yeah, Jordan Ricky re-signing. I mean, I'm happy he re-signed, but not the most stoked. There's other guys I want to sign first, but at least he's the first one for Brisbane. Didn't announce that he loves the club. Announced that he's re-signing. So that's a bit of a bit of a win. But the other loss in that column is Reese Walsh going to the Bronc to the Warriors. I don't know if we discussed this last week. No, we didn't. I mentioned it on Broncos Weekly. No, it happened. I kind of heard that it was happening. Disappointing that it's. It's not on that bi- that big money as I expected it was going to be with losing him there, but now they're looking to to get him early, maybe request a release and a player swap. So hopefully Brisbane can get someone back like a, a like a Hayes Perham or something. But yeah, it just stings. They lost one of those guys at the club that 
you know, paid Matt Lodge, paid Tom Flegler off the bench, paid Joe off the bench, paid Paddy Carrigan, all these guys, but can't find money for a, a quality, talented spine player. And I think it's going to cause a bit of a rift. Well, I think it has. I mean, we saw Gordy Taylor speak out about Peter Nolan, and it's obvious it's come from Kevy. Uh, I feel like Peter Nolan, is, he's been lucky the head of recruitment there to make it through the off-season. And I think he might be gone. Dave Donner, his first day at the club's May 1st. Pete Nolan might be packing his bag May 2nd. Like, I don't even know how he made it this far, but there's just that's another recruitment bottle job. And the Brendan Piakura thing going on right now looks like it might be another one that Kevy's had to come in and offer more money than what than was already offered. So, not great, mate. I, I love that every story about that guy I'm reading is calling him a boom back rower. Yeah. I think that's... But uh, uh, I like It's that. not a great sign, mate, that the guy who picked... We've been over this. We picked Boyd over Slater in Origin, picked Moses and Bai in Origin, picked Corey Norman in Origin. It's not great look that that guy can come in and already be smarter than your prior front office administration being Peter Nolan, Darren Lockyer, and uh, Carl Morris, all that kind of stuff. Like when he's trying to keep Pierre Curry here now with a bit more money, it's like that that old group of admin went from overpaying everyone to being nickel and diamonds and now happy to lose talent for some reason. Not very good that Kevin Walters looks better than them, but ugh. Uh, other signing news we've got there. We said Sevo for Feet of the Dragons is linked. Dare's re-signing at Manly's last. I thought that was bizarre. Yeah. Uh, weird timing as well. I don't really understand it. Um, I don't know any Manly fans that were happy at this news. I think the ones that we talked to are pretty much out on Des at this point, but yeah, bizarre. I know it's apparently heavily clawed, so maybe they can get out if he has a bad year already this year. But oh, I, I don't get it. Like, as you said, I think like this is it for Des, you'd think, surely. I, I, it's hard to see him turning around. We see the team list every name every week, like. Bizarre. I'm not feel sorry for Manly fans though, because they wouldn't feel sorry for me. That's for damn sure. <laughs> no, they wouldn't. Um, Andrew Fafita to the Dragons. Yeah, rumored. I mean, Dragons fans were keen on that one. Obviously, that not playing footy. That would actually be not a bad signing for the Dragons if they keep him only on a year or two left on his deal, because like they haven't really got many middles, and it's not the worst stump though to take. I wouldn't want to pay him big bickies at this point though. No, I don't think they will, but, you know, good on him. Uh, we did touch on Sevo before, but I think that's awesome news, not just for Parramatta, but for the whole comp that he's stick- sticking around. I'm tired of losing good wingers to rugby. Um, yeah, great news, and I think he was fantastic for them last week, so he's obviously going to be a big part of their future. Okay, that's it. I got it off my chest, signing stuff. <laughs> I'm good. Congratulations. I'm very happy you. for you. All right. Um, that brings us to another show. We'll be back on Thursday with question time. Say goodbye, Mitchell. Goodbye, Mitchell. <laughs> what was that delayed reaction? I nodded. I'm going to say goodbye, Mitchell. And it's goodbye from me. <laughs> <laughs>